Danny Leonard is a co-founder of Ramped. He previously spent over 10 years in sales at companies like Groupon, Stripe, and others. At Ramped, his goal is to create a more skills-based and merit-based job search and help professionals find more fulfillment in their careers. In today's show, he talks about fixing the job search with Ramped, finding the job during the financial crisis in 2009, how to stay mentally strong during the job search, his career in sales, and how to take the side door in your job search. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right. Hey, Danny, how are we doing today? Doing well, doing well, Ben. Great to be with you. Thanks. Yeah, same for you as well. So we start every podcast with the same two questions. And the first question is, who is Danny Leonard? Oh man, flipping the script on me already. I like it. Who's Danny Leonard? Well, you may hear from time to time during this recording, but first and foremost, I'm a father. My two kids are in the background per usual. I am a husband, a brother. On the side, I am an entrepreneur building a life-altering, world-altering company called Ramped. Awesome. No bias at all for having you on the podcast, but I appreciate you being here talking, obviously, a little bit about Ramped, but largely about just the career experience, job search experience, et cetera. The second question, I also loved how you described your entrepreneurship and starting a business as a side hustle. <laughs> but the second question I have for you is how do you specifically help support job seekers and career professionals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think throughout my career, I've been very fortunate to work at some really, really interesting companies. So Groupon, Square, a bunch of different startups. And I've had the opportunity to work with dozens, if not hundreds of founders through my previous business, which was a fractional VP of sales, sales consulting business. I think this is kind of the culmination of that. So when I got started building Ramped with my co-founders, Mitch and Minoj, we set off on a journey to really dig in on this problem. And the way we identified it was how are professionals, specifically we focused on early career professionals, but why are they not as prepped for the real world as they should be? And we're taking the side of the employer, right? What we hear often is folks come in, they don't know how to operate in a professional environment. And I think what that has sparked is this kind of exploration and this journey of learning about what it actually means to be a professional and the struggles professionals go through both in and out of the job search. And I think with Ramp, what we're doing right now is we are trying to make the job search super easy for as many professionals as we possibly can. Early career, mid-career, late career, second lap, if you will, as well. The job search as it stands today is really busted. It's been operating almost the same since as long as I can remember. But after visiting with folks who are baby boomers and even before, it's kind of the same as they applied to job, really, it's just drop a resume, send it to as many companies as you possibly can and hope and pray that somebody finds it interesting. And that's not good enough. It's not equitable. It's not skills-based. It's not merit-based at all. It's really like, what does your resume look like? What does your LinkedIn profile look like? And kind of like finger in the air, right? Does the resume stand out amongst the pile of resumes that I'm looking at at this very moment for when the job is posted? And that's just simply not good enough. So with Ramped and through some of the offerings that we have, we are creating a platform that just simply gives back time, which is really precious for job seekers and makes it really easy for job seekers to approach the job search and ultimately get the job of their dreams. Awesome. That's great. I'll definitely want to talk to you a little bit more about things that you're working on, how it can help support job seekers. I want to go back in time for a second. You've posted before about your experience graduating college in 2009, probably 
certainly within the tech space, within the business realm, the most difficult job market that we've seen of the last 10, 15 years. Can you talk me through what that experience was like graduating college, looking for your first job, first professional experience right during the middle of that financial crisis? It was really, really rough. So I graduated into the global financial crisis, great financial crisis, whatever the tagline is. And I was told, I went to the University of Michigan's Ross Business School, and it was an undergraduate business school program, three-year program. And really like year one, you're getting your feet wet, year two, you're being prepped for the job that you're going to get. And that job was more specifically coming out of that business school, investment banking, consulting, sometimes marketing, but that was really, really broad. So you're told pretty much from the second you get into that school, or we were told from the second you get into that school, that the goal is to get one of these finance jobs. The goal is to get a consulting job. And and that's really what you should be doing. And 2007 rolls around, the great global financial crisis hasn't really hit yet. 2008 rolls around and a bunch of the folks who graduated a year ahead of me had gotten offers and then Lehman Brothers hits and like all their offers were rescinded. So it was really, really scary. So my senior year, it's kind of panicking. There were tons of financial institutions like Goldman and Merrill and Morgan Stanley that would still come to our university. And obviously people did get jobs. But I did not really understand what it would take to get a job in finance at that time. And I would show up to some of these interviews, one, very unprepared, but two, thinking that I was prepared, also kind of thinking like, okay, this is Ross Business School, right? Like they're just going to give out all these offers and I'm going to be one of those offers. Like I had a super high GPA. I was a very hard worker. I felt like I could make it in that career path. And lo and behold, not only did I not get interviews, like it was kind of a selection from a pool. So sometimes you had to submit your application and meet with a bunch of people. So sometimes I wasn't even getting interviews from some of the big banks, but sometimes I would show up and I remember this one interview with this bank and the guy who was interviewing me, I'm from Minnesota originally, was also from Minnesota and he went to the University of Minnesota. My whole family went there. So I was like, okay, this is going to be like an easy interview. We're going to relate on a bunch of things. We'll probably talk Gophers football or something like that. And I walk into the interview and and I'm wearing a suit and tie. I'm feeling pretty good about this one. And he sits down and the first thing he says is, hey man, we don't actually have any positions available for Michigan this year. I'm kind of just here to save face with your university, but you know, I'm happy to answer any questions. And then I was like, oh my God, what the hell? I was just like lost. I felt completely oh. lost. After that one, I was like, I don't even know what to do. I'm like throwing in the towel on this. It really made me evaluate things. And I felt stuck, pretty stuck because I really did feel like I did all of the right things. I worked my butt off in school. I was you know, a good student. I studied hard. I prepped for these interviews. And then I'm just smacked in the face with 40, 50, 60 no's, like rejections, right? When it matters most, what I thought at the time when it matters most, like first job out of college, I put so much weight on it. Right. So then for someone else who maybe is in a similar position, someone that feels stuck in the job search or is facing a lot of rejection, what would you recommend someone do to get unstuck or to at least make some forward progress to figure things out? Great question. So I was not super organized with my job search. So what I expected at that time was these interviewers are going to line up for the students at the Ross School and we're just going to land somewhere. So what I would have done looking back on it has been really proactive with my job search. So I would start with my interests. Where do my interests really align? This is more specific to early career job seekers, but I'll try to make it broad for any career or any stage of career. So what am I really interested in and what do I want to work on for the next, call it one to three years of my career? I think that's really important. Now, 
two schools of thought there because I lucked into the first real role that I had at Groupon and that turned out to be an amazing opportunity. And I don't know if that's all that repeatable, right? Like that company went IPO'd, I joined them right around series A and it was super crazy. So what I would orient myself around is like, can I join a company full of really, really smart people? And can it be on a problem that I'm really, really interested in? And I would identify kind of the cross section of that. And then I would find all of the companies that are in that realm. So I'll give you an example to be practical. Let's say I'm really interested in sports and I want to work on the problem of bringing athletes from college to the pros. Like that's something that pro athletes really want. Maybe it's as an agent, maybe it's in some other support function. So I would find all the companies that I identify with that. I'd list them on a simple Google Sheet. And then I would go and first identify anybody I knew, even remotely knew, that worked at any of these companies to start having conversations and connect with people. And then after that, I would start to identify those companies that have job openings. So really three-step process, right? Identify what you care about, the problem you want to work on for the next one to three years. Two, very specifically find your connections at those companies, start having conversations and validate that that's actually something you want to work on. And then three, find companies that have open roles. And the kind of foundational piece to all of this is that like, you got to give yourself some grace. I was super, super hard on myself during this job search. I really beat myself up internally about not having a job and not being able to secure a banking job. It really tore at me. And I would just give myself advice in that time, like, dude, you're 21, 22, like you've got so much time to figure it out. And I'm still figuring it out. It's not like I have anything figured out right now. It's kind of a journey instead yeah. of like need to get this job or else you're looked at differently. So give yourself grace, like be kind to yourself during this process and you will find something. It may take you a little bit longer. It may take you no time at all, but that is your journey and you will find something great. What do you think about people? A lot of folks are looking for certain, you mentioned trying to target certain jobs, like find overlap places where you have connections or maybe secondary connections, things like that. What do you think about balancing finding a job faster? So let's say you might be able to find a job sooner, but it's not as ideal as what you're looking for versus holding out for the ideal job that you're looking for. Let's say it's going to take a year to get their ideal job versus they might be able to get a less than ideal job in three months. How do you think about that process or like eliminating jobs or opportunities that you might think that you're interested in? Like how do you go through the process of elimination or just balancing that throughout the job search? Yeah, let me say this first is everybody's in a different situation. So your financial constraints or your time constraints could be different depending on who you are, right? You may need money ASAP and that would dictate a lot of your job search. You may have the flexibility you've saved up or whatnot to spend a little bit more time on your job search. And that's okay too. I think we're really fortunate actually today versus where when I came out of school where you can pick up kind of like gig jobs on the side and treat your job search like a job, but only work on it a certain amount of time during the day. But everybody's in a different position. So that has to be first and foremost, how badly do you need it or need a job? And then what I would say for what I recommend for folks kind of battling this same thing or going through this same thing of how much time should I spend on my job searches, I would optimize for shallow conversations at first. So what does that mean specifically? So if you're thinking, oh, I really want to get into med tech, I would optimize for having as many conversations with as many people in as many different roles in 
med tech as I possibly can so that I get a sense of this is really right for me. And then I could also get a sense of what role would stand out for me. So optimize for like the most amount of shallow conversations. And there's tools today that make it really easy. Like LinkedIn is a great place to connect with folks, obviously, but there's some Reddit threads that are super interesting on med tech. You don't even need to like actually talk to somebody. You could learn about a career really, really well. TikTok obviously has quick twitch. Here's a guide to whatever career you want. It's not my favorite, but a lot of people like it. And then the best I think is, is really having those one-to-one informational interviews. That's really what they are. Like informational interviews where you just connect with somebody and learn about their day-to-day, their job, like the practical, no BS realities of working in med tech before you make your decision. Got it. Okay, cool. Let's talk for a second about sales. You mentioned that you graduated looking for a job. You start your career at Groupon as a sales employee there started working your way through. What was the experience that you had as an early career sales professional? And what do you think for anyone who's potentially interested, and this is probably most relevant for tech sales companies, but what do you feel like is the most important thing to know about getting into a career in sales and being successful in those first one to three years? Yeah, really good question. So I pretty much lucked into sales and I lucked into the first job, which is Groupon. I guess I took my own advice that I just gave out, but it was not intentional. So I connected with a bunch of my friends who had jobs and one of them had moved or lived in Chicago. So I went back to Chicago. His name was Jack and he was working at Groupon. I connected with him, I think six months prior to an opening that came up and I was working at a law firm at the time and Groupon had just gotten a pretty big cash injection, a substantial financing round. And Jack either hit me up or I hit him up. I forget. And I was like, holy cow, what's going on at Groupon? This looks amazing. And he's like, okay, let me tell you about the job and see if this is interesting to you. So he was a seller on the Minneapolis market where obviously I'm from. And he was like, yo, look, so I'm doing all these cool things. I'm helping launch the market. Really what it is, is I find all these local businesses and then I put them on a list and I actually call them and try to get them to subscribe to Groupon and launch an offer. And he would show me the website and the website looked super cool and it had just the famous restaurants in Minneapolis. I was like, damn, this is sick. It was back in the day where it was kind of matching supply and demand and it clicked in my head. So you launch a local business, would launch a really compelling deal or offer to get more people into their business. So it'd be like $10, get you $20 worth of pizza at the most famous local pizza spot in the city. So something about it just like clicked with me and I was obsessed with it. Like I couldn't stop thinking about that idea. And so I hit Jack back up and I was like, hey, look, I really want to work here. What do you recommend? He's like, okay, let me connect you with the recruiter over there, this guy, Dan, but apply online. So I went online and I legit applied to every single job on their website. Like I applied to the finance jobs because I thought, okay, maybe I'll get a finance job again, marketing, operations, all the sales jobs, applied every single one that was open. And Dan calls me and he's like, hey man, look, can't apply to every job. You're probably not going to get them. But what we could do is put you in the same position as Jack and you could start selling. We have an open market. It's Oklahoma City. You'd move to Chicago. I was in Minneapolis. Move to Chicago and cold call and, and launch the market. And I was like, okay, let me think about it. Talk to my parents. They're like, online coupons. What the hell? Like, what does it pay you? Okay, let's talk about it. It's an unpaid sales internship. And if I do well, I can get a full-time contract. And they're like, I mean, you're nuts, but if this is something you're interested in, go for it, obviously. So I just jumped at it, moved to Chicago with one of my best friends and started working at Groupon for free, selling the Oklahoma City market. I had no sales experience. I had no idea what sales was. Day one, I walk in and my VP of sales hands me a playbook. It's like 30 pages at the time. This is pre, almost pre Salesforce, but like it was, there's no automation. There's no send mass blast emails, whatever. And I was like... 
go, holy cow, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. So I would, instead of freak out, I would go home. And at the time, like Yelp was our biggest source of leads. I would just go home and enter every single lead in Oklahoma City into the CRM so that I had a big list of places to call. And I think it was day four when we started hitting the phones. And I jumped on the phone for my first call. I like straight froze. I did not know what to say. And I hung up. Oh my God, what's going on? And then I just like sat and listened to my partner, this guy, Mike, he'd been in a sales role before. So that got me like a little bit more reassured that this was possible. And then I ended up sitting by all of the top salespeople at the time and spending like an hour with them just learning. And at that time, that was super helpful to me. So I just kind of like learned. And then all of a sudden I felt good about it. And I jumped at it and just started making a bunch of dials. I'd screw up a bunch, but then closed my first deal. Ultimately got off this sales internship and got a full-time position. And the motto or kind of mantra that I had at that time was, and it was sparked by my VP who just had the simple equation. It was skill times activity equals success. And that just clicked with me for some reason. I was like, I have the lowest skill on the team right now, but I'm in full control of my activity. So my goal is to be the top of the call chart every single day till I was blue in the face. So I would stay later. I would call more. I ended up winning a few call volume of the month's awards. So that was like reassuring. I didn't even think about the money, but the fact that you would get a hundred dollar gift card for being the tops of the call charts was super helpful. And that was just like it. I was like off to the races. That was the equation that worked for me. I tried to outwork in quotes, but really just out call everybody. And then then I started getting better. And that was the beginning of the sales role. I would say looking back on it, I think the thing that really separated me from my peer group was one, I was just obsessed with Groupon. I was so into the idea. I was so into like the philosophy. It made total sense in my head. It just like believed it to my core. And then two, that equation just make as many dials as you possibly can because it's all in your control. How important do you think it is to believe in what you're selling versus just get by off of sheer talent and skill? For me, it is 100% undeniably the baseline of why I would take a sales job. I must believe in what I'm selling in order to sell it. And I don't know if that's the same for everybody else. I don't think it is. I think there are some people who are far better than I am at sales who could probably do the sell you this pen type of thing with tactics and tricks and whatever. For me, it's just like, I just wouldn't join a sales organization unless I fully believed in the product, the way it fit and helped those types of customers or the customers that they were going after and the mission of the company. Those things have to just align for me. That makes sense. If someone is interested in getting into sales and they want to know if it's right for them, what are the one to two things that you think you need to be okay with or excited about in order to be successful? Yeah, so number one, for me at least, the amount of rejection you will get is unlike any other amount of rejection that you will probably have gotten in your entire life. Now, I was somebody who did really well in school. Like that was something I was proud of. I worked really hard. I got good grades, studied hard. I played hard too, but like I was proud of the work that I did at school. I went to Michigan, which I thought was a great school. And I had not faced like a ton of hardcore rejection. And in sales, like 95 to 97% of the time, you're going to get a no. It's really hard to deal with. You will beat yourself up if you give into that. That's 
that's the baseline. Just push through that. There's a few other things that I think are really important. Believing in the product, believing in the mission. It's really important to understand that you're not selling somebody on an idea. You are genuinely trying to help a business or a customer understand a new perspective. And if you can get through or you can embrace that, the role is really great for you. There's a ton of people and I've trained, I've hired, I've trained, I've onboarded so many salespeople. And I can tell with really within the six, first six weeks that they're going to be successful. A lot of times they're just like putting in the dials to put in the dials and they don't really believe in their heart of hearts that they're a good salesperson. And that's really hard to overcome. So you really got to believe in yourself and it is competitive. It's not like you're in a boiler room and everybody's attacking you, but you will see a leaderboard and you will see other people succeeding. So if that's not an environment that you thrive in, it's probably not the right career for you. Got it. Okay. Let's maybe shift gears for a second and talk about your experience with RAM and advice you have for job seekers and how you would recommend people kind of face the current job environment. So to start with, you've spoken with individually or interacted with on a scale of tens of thousands of job seekers in your time at RAMP. What do you feel like are the most prominent challenges or things that the average job seeker is facing in today's job market environment? Yeah, it's a really good question. Spoken, like you said, with tons and tons of job seekers. The truth about the job search is it really sucks. Nobody on the street, if you asked anybody, how was your current job search? How was your last job search? How was your job search three times ago? Nearly everybody will say, it sucked. I hated it. It wasn't fun. It was like another job. And that's the truth. That is what it is. However, you're in control of your attitude. What I see with job seekers who are really struggling, but are still pushing through and still optimistic is they are in control of their attitude about the job search and they do treat it kind of like a game. So from a mentality perspective, that's how I would treat it. I would treat it like a game. This is not you. This is not who you are as a person. You're not the job. I posted about this the other day, but like your job search doesn't define you. You're in control of the attitudes you bring to the job search. So just control that, choose to be optimistic, choose to be positive, choose to be forward looking. So that's the baseline. And then for more specifics and tactics, you know, make a list, like I mentioned in the the previous part of this interview, make a list of all of the companies you feel like you could be a great fit at. And then secondarily, before you even look for openings, make a list of all of your connections, first and second degree connections that are at those companies and use, use those connections. Try to get in touch with as many people as you possibly can because your peers are doing it. That is how people are getting jobs right now. They're getting internal referrals. They're talking to people. They're getting referred in and cutting steps in the process. And Ramp can obviously help. When you're going about your job search the traditional way with drawing up a resume, applying to many jobs, we have tons of tools that make it really easy to do that. When you're in interviews, we have tons of ways that you can skip steps and learn about a company through our platform. But I would always recommend, honestly, just take the side door. Get in touch with people you know there and like blast through that side door. Okay, yeah, talk to me about that. You say take the side door. What does that mean specifically when you say take the side door? Right now, the job search is not equal for every person. There's tons of things going unintentionally and intentionally at some parts, I think less intentionally than unintentionally, but recruiters are spending five to seven seconds per resume review. So they're just simply looking for keywords and triggers so they can push it through to recruiter screen. That's the first real step after you apply or just send it to the reject pile forever, gone, banished, right? You get the auto reject email and it stinks. But the side door is how most people are getting jobs, which is they're connecting with people they know internally. They are 
presenting themselves in a real systematic way. And that person they know internally is referring them directly to the hiring manager. So that's pretty much the side door. A lot of times, somebody if there's an AE opening, account executive opening at a great sales company like Outreach or Salesforce, when that opening happens, folks, hiring managers have two, three, five people already in mind because their resumes are already at the top of their list. They've talked to them. They know they're on the hunt. They may not have left that job, but they're shooing, right? They're going to get an interview and they're going to skip the entire application funnel. So your job is to play the game the way it's being played right now and skip those same steps. Connect with people you know, tell them you're interested in the company, figure out what roles are available if they're not posted on their website and take that same exact side door. Cool. You, I know, are very active on LinkedIn. And it sounds like a lot of the advice and recommendations you give to job seekers relate to how do you use LinkedIn better? How do you find connections, network, et cetera? First question I have for you is there's a tons of resources, smart people, former recruiters, hire managers, et cetera. How have you gone about finding really smart people in the career and job search space that you can follow or network with and get additional advice? Outside of yourself, of course, you're a great follow as well on LinkedIn, but how have you found, I know you share almost weekly about people that you think are really great followers on LinkedIn. How have you found those people and how could others do the same thing? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, definitely working on my LinkedIn presence these days. And the reason is, is because it's a really good place to connect with folks who are solving the same problem that Ramp does, job search, your career, honestly, giving more intention to your career. And it's a great way to connect with job seekers, a great way to connect with folks solving the same problem. So what I look for, and I do a lot of reading on LinkedIn, spend several hours each night, and I also spend a good amount of portion of the early week connecting with folks. And what I get inspired with or about is when somebody really understands the problem facing job seekers. So they're speaking to the job seeker and offering practical, easy advice that helps address the core pain of a job seeker today, which is pretty much what I mentioned before, but like this hairy ball of the job search is cumbersome. It takes time, a lot of rejection, all the feelings that are associated with that too. It does penetrate some job seekers I see, and it destroys some bit of their confidence. And that really is hard to here when somebody's gotten rejected so many times over and over again, like it is hard to deal with that type of rejection. So when somebody's speaking directly to the job seeker, that's when I feel like I can really identify with them. And LinkedIn's a really good place to connect with folks because it's easy to just shoot a message and say, hey, look, I absolutely love that blog you wrote or that post you wrote about helping job seekers get jobs or helping level up a resume or helping level up your LinkedIn presence. There's no like silver bullet that if you change your profile picture, you're going to get 10 more interviews, but there's a combo of things you can be doing, like leveling up your profile and the whole, like making your resume cater to that first screen by a recruiter. And I do find that when somebody is speaking that language, it's really easy to connect with them. Great. So you mentioned the resume and how do you optimize that? And you've heard about this some on LinkedIn, but I guess at the highest level, we can dive a little bit deeper if needed. But for someone that's looking to either just take their existing resume and get it, let's say to an 80% level, how do you get your resume to the 80% level of being good enough to start getting more interviews in the job search? Yeah. So 
a few tricks, like really tactical stuff to get your resume to that 80% bar would be first and foremost, get your resume on one single page. The resume is meant to be a billboard. It is not meant to be your life story or your life's work. A lot of times I meet with a lot like really, really impressive job seekers who've been in careers for 25 years and they have like somebody I was speaking with has written multiple books. So they put all their books on there, which is super impressive, published works, all their skills, all their accolades. And that's like awesome that I'm so proud of this person. They're super cool and really impressive. I've done way more in their life than I have. And I still want them to just get their resume on one page. And the reason is the target audience for your resume is the recruiter. It's not the hiring manager. It's not really somebody who's going to look at them gawk over it. It's somebody who's screening it for five to 10 seconds, five to seven seconds, really. And the reason we know that is because we met with tens of thousands of recruiters who have told us they really don't dedicate much time to these screens. So cater it to that audience. The second thing that I would recommend right away is put it in the cleanest, easiest, simple black and white format you can possibly, possibly have. I think in the show notes, we can include a link to our elite resume template, but that is free. It's a gimme, right? It's something we've used over and over again to help job seekers, like just the simple, easy template. And the reason, again, your audience is the recruiter. They don't want to look at the cumbersome resume or something that's too poppy or has like a bunch of pink in it or a bunch of red. Like I see so many crazy resumes out there. You get it really, really simple. The next thing is whatever job you're going after. So let's say you were going after an operations manager job and the previous roles you had were all sales. That's totally cool. If you want to make a career change, that's great. But make sure every single bullet point that you have in your resume is catered to that next role. How can you express what you did at a previous role in the form of the next job that you want? So operations, right? You're all about efficiency. You're all about decreasing costs at some level or making like ends meet or making workflows match up, right? There's a lot in sales. If you were a salesperson in the past that could cater directly to that. Like how did you organize your pipeline, right? How did you orient your lead generation? What process did you follow? How did you work with tools? So think through that and cater every single bullet point to that next role. Awesome. Similar question, but maybe slightly different approach potentially is your LinkedIn profile. So obviously LinkedIn, most common networking business job search platform out there. Do you take the same approach with a resume as a LinkedIn profile or are there different things that you should be doing or not doing? And if so, what are they? Yeah. So LinkedIn is honestly ever changing, like LinkedIn's algorithm, which is a real thing. It changes all the time. So I would orient my profile the way that you see influencers or see people with large networks orient them. So a few things that you could be doing, and again, it's more of a billboard than it is your life story, but there are several things on LinkedIn you could probably do right now to make your profile stand out. The first is your background image, what people see first, that like big rectangle at the top should be super high quality. It should be moving from like bottom left to upper right. It shows that you're optimistic, you're moving in that direction. I like a nature-oriented one. So just something really clean. Your profile picture should be super high quality. If you can afford a proper headshot, go get a headshot. If you can't, just have somebody take a picture of you on a white wall and then swap out the background with a pop of color. Your tagline should be super straightforward. So if you're going after sales opportunities and you're a salesperson, you could say something like high-performing seller, and then you could have a space in there, currently seeking XXX type of sales role at growth company or high performance sales role in competitive environment, whatever it is, just make it really simple. Your about section shouldn't be this like pages and pages and pages about you. It should be three to four sentences. And then make sure that a lot of times what I see is people just don't nurture their LinkedIn profile as much as they should. So 
make sure that all the companies you've worked at have the icon next to it. Something super simple, but like I met with somebody who worked at Target. They had Target on their LinkedIn, but it wasn't the corporate Target. It was just like a random Target that they probably haven't updated since 2010. So just make those icons stand out and pop. And then, you know, LinkedIn is all about connecting with people. So add at least 200, add the max 200 connections each week and make sure those folks are hiring managers and recruiters at the companies you want to work at. And then your profile will start to get viewed more often. Awesome. I've seen some folks who have put description-based header photos in their LinkedIn. So for example, if you're in sales or something and you might say leading sales rep for Fortune 500 companies or something like that in your actual LinkedIn banner, is that something you recommend? Is that kind of to each their own or is that something that you think people should avoid? I am unsure how that plays today with everyone. My personal take is it's a little bit cheesy. However, if you have some accolades that are really impressive, you may just want to put it. Like I've seen somebody put their background image of them at a keynote presentation. Like that's great. That kind of stuff doesn't really bother me. Uh, it's not something I would do personally or I recommend, but I don't think I have a strong opinion against it. Last question I have for you is, let's say you crush the job search, use some of your advice that you've given. You're in a situation where you might have one, maybe potentially if you're in a negative situation, you have multiple offers that you're debating or trying to figure out. Let's say you either have one or multiple offers either way, and you want to figure out how do I approach the offer conversation? And for most people, that could mean trying to get more salary or more compensation. It might also just mean getting more out of your offer, whatever that might look like, vacation days, other things like that. What do you recommend for people to do? Let's say you only have one offer. Should you still try to negotiate? If you have multiple offers, are you definitely negotiating? And if so, are you looking at just to do that for salary? Are you trying to negotiate different things? And then how do you approach that, particularly for someone who maybe is anxious or has a harder time approaching those types of conversations? Yeah, let me give you a quick playbook on how to negotiate salaries or negotiate offers. And then we can talk through anything that I can expand on anything as well. So I would always negotiate. When you get an offer, when you get the offer, the first thing that should come out of your mouth and the visual cue and expression that you should portray is like genuine as you can, excitement and gratitude for the process, for the offer. Even if you don't want to take it, be like super thankful that they gave it to you and ask, depending on who it is, sometimes the hiring manager, sometimes it's the CEO, sometimes it's the recruiter, ask them for an amount of time to evaluate the offer that is not crazy, but is not like a day. So it couldn't be up to a week, I think is totally fair. And just say, I'm really really excited about this offer. I, I want to talk it over with my personal board of advisors, or you can say, I want to talk it over with my friends and family. If you don't want to go that formal, I just need blank amount of days. So five days, seven days, whatever it is. If you get it on a Wednesday and you want to talk about it through the weekend, just say, I, I need till Monday, right? They'll, they'll most times say yes. I rarely see that companies will say no to that. Then if you have multiple offers, amazing. You should evaluate those all head to head. The things that I would think about as you're negotiating or as you're thinking about the offer is stack rank these. So one is your base salary. I think that's kind of the foundational piece for the entire offer. Two is your bonus, whether that's a yearly bonus or a signing bonus or both. If it's a sales role, you'll have some commission. That's three. Equity. So startups offer equity. Some bigger companies offer equity as well. There's a benefits package that you may be able to negotiate. And then other things that are important to some people are title, severance package, and start date. So that's kind of my entire list of how I would evaluate. I would stack rank all of these. So what's your importance level? One through 10 or one through 12, whatever the amount of attributes you have. And then I would evaluate the one offer or the multiple offers as is. And the other thing that I kind of bypass 
podcast and all of this is if you have multiple offers, the feeling you get from the company and there's so many other things at play. Like I'm assuming that you're really, really interested in all of these companies by this time and you already want to work at them and you like the people you're going to work with. But if you don't, those are really important factors as well. So take those into consideration when you're evaluating an offer as well. I would stack rank all of them. And then when I have the conversation, you always be over the phone if you can have it. So when you have this, when you go out to negotiate, make sure you're setting time on both of your times. That's mutual time to negotiate this offer and then list out the ideal offer given your importance rating. So given what you stack ranked everything and just say it plainly and try to negotiate it all at once, not piecemeal. So what I mean, like don't negotiate base salary and then three days later, try to negotiate equity. Do it all at once, give them time to assess, get their feedback and they'll either counter offer or they'll, they'll offer nothing. Awesome. I want to close the time with you by just giving you an opportunity to share any final thought, advice for job seekers, career professionals on how to find a job that's fulfilling for them, navigate their career in a more successful manner, um, or anything else that you feel like is important for job seekers or career professionals to know. Yeah, really great talking with you, Ben. Obviously, this has been an easy one, so so thanks for queuing me up on all of this. So, you know, the job search today, it really, really stinks. It's really tough. So what I would just say... I would recommend the following. One, set your mentality the way that it should be. Choose a positive, choose an optimistic outlook for yourself and for this job search. Remember, you are not your job search. This is temporary and you're going to find something. And however long it takes for you is how long it takes. Two, very specifically, get organized. So list out the types of roles you want, the types of companies that have those roles open, and very, very clearly, all of the connections you have, right? All those connections so you can attempt to take that side door. And then three, optimize your search for many, many shallow conversations. Have as many conversations as you possibly can. Conversations don't need to be like long, lengthy, half an hour discussions. It can be quick ones over LinkedIn. It can be a 10 minute type of like, just get to know you session. It can be a long session. And then go vigorously, like work really, really diligently to get every possible opportunity on your plate. Get as many interviews as you possibly can. If you can do it, orient the first set of interviews with the jobs that you potentially care about the least so you can get those repetitions in. That's kind of a harder recommendation because it's not always up to you. And then just work towards that offer. Once you get an offer, negotiate, go off and crush that role. And then the last thing I'll say is, I've been saying this a lot on LinkedIn, but you, the job seeker, you, the career professional, you are all going to make it. This is just a journey. This is temporary. All these struggles are temporary. It's really hard to embrace that attitude when you're in it. And again, really easy for me to say sitting on this side of the microphone, but as somebody who's been through many job searches and come out with a job, I will just say like, you're going to make it through this. Your journey is your journey and give yourself some grace as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Danny. And I appreciate you sharing your advice, your wisdom, and all of your tips for job seekers today. Thanks, Ben. Really, really a pleasure.